0: hello and welcome we're safe sport international a global charity dedicated to empowering children and adults to experience sport in an inclusive and safe environment we are passionate and experienced global safeguarding leaders with a vision to end all forms of non-accidental violence abuse and exploitation in sport we hope you enjoy this podcast
1: Hello and a very warm welcome to the brand new podcast from Safe Sport International. I'm Ann Tevis, Chair and Trustee.
2: And I'm Neil Anderson, the Chief Operating Officer.
1: In this introductory episode, we'll be explaining a bit about who we are, the work that we do and who it benefits. We'll also be introducing you to some of the key people within the organisation and our vision for this podcast and for the future. We believe that everyone has a responsibility to safeguard children and adults in sport. We believe in a multidisciplinary, multi-agency approach and that all forms of violence and abuse in sport are preventable. We believe that we can achieve this if we work together in the same direction. So I'm going to say a little bit now about where Safe Sport International came from. We were originally founded in 2014 when our Declaration of Principles for Safe Sport were created and published following a meeting with key stakeholders at Brunel University in the UK. Our original chair and vice chair were respectively the late Professor Celia Brackenridge OBE and Tricia Leahy, CEO of the Hong Kong Sports Institute. They established Safe Sport International as an NGO with Catherine Starr, Olympian, and expert with lived experience of abuse in sport and also founder of Safe for Athletes in the US and myself. Safe Sport International became a UK based international charity in 2018, just in time for our inaugural global conference in Madrid. Other key founding members who are still involved with SSI are Professor Emerita Sandy Kirby from Canada and Professor Emerita Kari Fasting from Norway. What we have all shared is the same vision to end all forms of violence, abuse and exploitation in sport. You will hear from some of these people and current members of SSI about what safeguarding means to them and why they are so passionate about this vital work. In terms of who we are, Our founders comprise many former athletes, and we are indebted to the many athletes with lived experience of abuse in sport who contribute to our committees and programmes. We work on the principle of nothing about us without us. We are immensely grateful for the work of the Army of Survivors in the United States who have been working with us over the last couple of years to support our approach to safe sport and to centering and elevating the voices of athletes. One of our key strengths is the evidence base that we contribute to global safeguarding in sport. The late Professor Celia Brackenridge was almost certainly the foremost researcher of her generation and was a passionate and often fierce advocate for change in sport. She and our founding members from the research community were the pioneers in this field. They often faced resistance and sometimes threats as a result of opening up the Pandora's box of abuse in sport. We have recently extended our International Board of Trustees over the past two years, and you will hear from some of them about why they are involved with SafeSport International and their passion for this work. So our heart is knowledge sharing about good practice, underpinned by a strong evidence-based and centred in athlete voice. We do this through our global conferences, through our international education training consultancy services, and through our collaborations with other individuals organizations and networks who share our values the latter include the international safeguards for children in sport project the center for sport and human rights the i coach kids global movement intergovernmental bodies international and national sport organizations ngos and many others we are global inclusive research and evidence-based and informed by athlete voice Together, we are passionate and experienced global safeguarding leaders dedicated to empowering children and adults to experience sport in an inclusive and safe environment. We do this through the provision of globally accessible education, training, consultancy, and collaborations. Safe Sport
2: International are global, inclusive, research and evidence based, and informed by Athlete Voice. We are passionate and experienced global safeguarding leaders. Together, we are dedicated to empowering children and adults to experience sport in an inclusive and safe environment. We do this through the provision of globally accessible education, training, and consultancy. So let's have a little bit of an introduction to you, Anne, and then perhaps I'll do an introduction to myself and some of the projects and initiatives that are facing the world of safe sport internationally at the moment.
1: Thanks very much, Neil. My name's Anne Tevis, and I'm the founder and chair of Safe Sport International, or SSI as it's commonly known. My background is, personally, I was brought up in a sporting family. My mum and her sisters were all hockey and tennis players, and my dad was a javelin thrower. So I've been involved with my sport for my whole life, including being a club volunteer safeguarding officer when the roles were very new. After my degree, I trained as a social worker in London and quickly began to specialise in child protection work as a practitioner and then had roles as a hospital social work team manager, multidisciplinary child protection training officer and others. I ended my statutory agency career as a child protection coordinator. And this involved chairing child protection conferences for children at risk and managing allegations against people in positions of trust. And that included people involved in sport. I also represented the local authority in the UK's multi-agency public protection panel system, which involved managing sexual and serious violent offenders in, in the community, including sports coaches. I then spent 18 years in the Child Protection in Sport unit at the National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. And this is where I first met the founding members of Safe Sport International, including the late Professor Celia Brackenridge, the foremost researcher in this field and who led me into this international safeguarding in sport journey. I'll now hand over to Neil to tell you a little bit more about himself.
2: Thank you, Anne. So my name's Neil Anderson and my sporting interests started in the world of outdoor and adventure sports, uh, sailing, climbing, mountain biking, orienteering as a child, and then later actually as a career, enabling outdoor learning experiences for young people and adults. Initially as an instructor and a teacher, later as an outdoor centre manager, and more recently, managing and innovating professional standards and accreditations across the outdoor sector and lecturing in psychology and leadership at the University of Cumbria. I am passionate about the benefits of an outdoor connected lifestyle for individuals and community health and well-being. I qualified as a psychotherapist in 2010 and alongside my private practice, I research, write about and champion person-centered ethical practice in outdoor mental health. Outside work, if there ever is such a thing for me, sport is still important. I describe myself more as a completer, not a competitor, now, and coaching the under-13s at the Kendall Rugby Club is an opportunity to contribute to the community and stay connected to grassroots sport. Since joining SSI as the organisation's first Chief Operating Officer, it's opened the door to work with a very knowledgeable, committed group of people who want to shape the practice, policy, and research involved making sport safe for all athletes at all levels. Anne, let's have a look at the broader field of safe sport at the moment. At the moment, what do you see as being done well to support safe sport internationally?
1: Thanks, Neil. Well, I've been involved with safeguarding in sport entirely for the last 20 years and some experience of it prior prior to the Child Protection in Sport Unit and Safe Sport International being developed. And what we've seen in the last few years is an absolute sea change in people looking at this area and thinking about what safe sport means, largely on the back of hearing the appalling experiences of survivors and victims of abuse in sport. Some of the most important developments where we're beginning to see things really changing are the International Safeguards for Children in Sport, which is a project that's now been established in partnership with UNICEF and a wide uh, church of organisations over the since 2012. And currently, SafeSport International is working on bridging those safeguards for children in sport with working on safeguarding adults for sport and the bridge between talented young athletes going into adult sport, hopefully which will form an umbrella of international safeguards that are inclusive of everyone involved in sport. The other thing that we've seen is a huge difference, bearing in mind that our background was heavily involved in research and evidence development. What we're beginning to see is a hugely enhanced focus on research, also seeing new researchers coming in, often former athletes who now have access to the kind of master's courses and other training that is enabling them to become the voices of research for the future, and particularly those with lived experience who are becoming researchers in the field. We're also beginning to see a difference in terms of international federations, National Olympic Committees and National Governing Bodies committed to a holistic view of how they're approaching safe sport, including the benefits of implementing preventative measures, including coach education and training programs for everyone, and particularly a focus on training for safeguarding leads and boards. So things are beginning to change, but there's a long way to go. And in our second podcast, we'll look at some of those in a lot more detail.
2: Thanks, Anne. One of the other areas we've seen a lot of change recently is about an increasing athlete voice. How important is that for safeguarding?
1: It's absolutely critical, Neil. We need to ensure that we follow the principle of nothing about us without us. Athletes tell us that for most of their careers, and even from when they started as children in sport, they never knew what their rights were and they never felt that they had a voice. And it is very new that sport is starting to engage athletes in their approach to safeguarding. Our view is that that should happen as a right and that it must include athletes with lived experience of abuse as experts in the field. Safe Sport International has always involved athletes with lived experience of abuse right from the first development as an an NGO. And we work hard and we've been welcoming the challenge from athletes to do this better and to encourage them to be involved in everything that we do. We spent two years consulting with athletes since our Athlete Voice Conference in 2021. And we now have an Athlete Voice working group that's starting to do a bit more work in this area to support what we do for the future. We've also engaged athlete voice groups and survivor groups as well to engage and support the work that we're doing. So we work in collaboration, for example, with the Army of Survivors in the United States that have contributed to our advisory group, to our conference planning and to many more things than that. So it's critically important. It's also important that we support organisations to have the confidence to do this work which might not naturally fit with the, the approach that they've taken in their sports in the past.
2: Athlete Voice is one example of changes and developments over the recent years in safeguarding. What's on the horizon currently and for the future?
1: One of the greatest challenges, I think, is that there is now a rapid development of agencies and organisations which are trying to respond to reported concerns of abuse. But there is no consistent model of how to approach that. And often as these agencies open their doors, often in the wake of crises and high profile cases being reported, that there isn't the capacity to do this well enough. So I think we do need it as a community to be thinking about what's the best possible model, both for providing responses to concerns, but also how do we equip people with the knowledge and confidence they have to deal with these things thoroughly? We're also seeing some fantastic leaders who are championing this work and starting to make a real difference from a leadership and governance point of view. But I'm afraid for the most part at international and national level, globally, There is a gap in terms of ownership and consistency in terms of sport leadership. So again, we need to work hard to provide those leaders with the confidence and the tools and the knowledge to put the resources behind safeguarding work, which always seems to be the Cinderella behind other integrity issues, which might have more impact on governing bodies' wallets. We're also seeing an immense growth, as we are in society, of online abuse trolling and risks to athletes and to others through social media and so on. And that's an area that we need to become much more knowledgeable about and need to tackle with industry leaders as well to look at solutions for that for the future. One of the other challenges that we see is that whilst there has been more of a willingness to look at the issues affecting children in sport, there still remains huge gaps in terms of both knowledge and awareness of risks to adults in sport, and that's athletes, officials, referees and others who may be vulnerable to or made vulnerable to abuse within sport. And we do need to see the development and implementation of the adult safeguards that SSI is developing at the moment and that bridging piece with t- for talented young athletes going into elite adult sport environments. And the other thing that I think we all need to bear in mind is that safeguarding is still not, at a very basic level, not well understood. It doesn't translate well all across the world. And there's some confusion for people about what we're talking about, which is about prevention of all forms of harm, whether they're psychological, physical, bullying, sexual or or other. Um, And we need to help with education and training to help people to understand what we mean by safeguarding, which is both prevention work and responding to people who may be at risk.
2: And it's fair to say you can access free iProtect online training Around safeguarding for your knowledge as a coach, uh, as a parent, as a supporter of somebody who's an athlete, as a safeguarding lead on the Safe Sport International website. Uh, look out for future podcasts and join our community at the conference in September 2023 in London, where we're going to talk about hope, healing, and transformation in the area of safe
1: sport thank you to our audience for listening to this first episode of the Safe Sport International podcast. We hope you'll join us again in a couple of weeks time when we'll be exploring the area of safeguarding together including an overview of the challenges and opportunities we're facing building on what you've heard today. In the meantime please do tell your family, friends and colleagues about this podcast. Working together we will end all forms of violence, abuse and exploitation in sport. Until next time take very good care
0: thank you for listening to the safe sport international podcast you can find more information about our work and resources including details of our annual conference at safesportinternational.com if you've been affected by any of the topics covered in this episode you can find details of help and support at safesportinternational.com forward slash getting help finally please do help us spread the word about safeguarding in sport by leaving us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts.